Welcome to the Life of Christ Series 3, Term 2. This is the last lesson for this term, Lesson 20. We are going to pick up where we left off. Um, and I'm just actually going to move on to... Um, actually, no. Let's, let's, let's pick up in Romans 12, 2. And then let me move forward from there. Again, remember, the Gospel of the Kingdom of God is talking about the spiritual kingdom. Remember again, the way you remember it is, remember God is spirit. And whenever you see the kingdom of God, you know that is a spiritual kingdom. And again, remember that the way we operate in this kingdom, and the reason why the Apostle Paul says that, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the way we operate in this kingdom is to start learning about that kingdom. Amen? And we were talking about the butterfly and the, the caterpillar and that there are two different modes of transport. Like with a caterpillar, it's ground-based. With a butterfly, it's air-based. Amen? And so again, um, <clears throat> we talked also about true repentance being a total change of heart and mind. Not just in relation to sin, but now as we're going to look at what the Apostle Paul puts it in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord. So this is not just we're into page 9 now, the top of page 9. In my book anyway. Um, It says that you may walk worthy of the Lord fully pleasing Him. So not only are we to be transformed by the renewing of our mind but we also need to walk worthy of the Lord. But remember again we can't walk worthy of the Lord until we know what that is. Amen? And so it says here that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful, now this is something a little bit more, in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Can you see that? So we are to increase in our knowledge, and we are to produce in our life. Amen? We're meant to produce fruit. And God is looking for fruit. Alright? And, and notice it says being fruitful in every good work. Isn't that something? We can get to the place where we are fruitful in everything we do. In other words, whatever our hand touches prospers. Amen? That whatever we engage in, it works. And God is there, and God is anointing us, and God is doing things through us. And people are going, wow. And they should be going, wow. Okay? Alright. Okay. If, they're not, if you're not to the wow fact yet, keep at it. Yeah, that's, that's our, have a goal. Amen? Alright. And all of this requires us to believe in the gospel or the good news. And this goes back to what Jesus said in Mark 1.15. For it to work and why again it is of the utmost importance that we do. Alright? We really need to believe in the gospel. We need to believe what it says. We, 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 we don't need people telling us that it's not what it says. That we can't do things. You know, can I just say this again? Whatever you listen to will either take faith away from you or build faith in you. If you are listening to things that are taking faith away from you, I don't, and it will always come in an intellectual form. All the reasons why, the reasons why this can't work or this can't be true or blah, blah, blah. But you, it's very logical. And the devil plays on logic. But can I say this to you? His logic always has holes in it, but you can't spot him. Until, unless you know it is also written, you won't be able to spot it. Which is why we need to grow in the Word. Which is why we need to keep learning. Which is why the transformation doesn't come unless we keep renewing. 
Amen. Do you know what a renewed mind is? It says all that stuff that they said couldn't be done, can be done. There is a renewed mind. Okay, so it's not fighting with your heart that says, I really believe I can do this. And your mind says, oh, don't be stupid. That's just illogical. That can't happen. Do you know how big it is? And Jesus never said, if it's, if it's small enough, you can do it. <laughs> Amen. And I, wish, I just wish I had time to go through all the things that will help you to break out of all the, the confines. That's right. That education and the natural world and the devil puts so that you won't do what you're designed to do. I feel like preaching coming on. Can I, can I just take a minute? Do you know you are designed to do impossible things? Can I say that? Absolutely. I want you to meditate on that. I want you to think about that. You are designed. You are by design made to do impossible things. Do you, do you get that? When you got reborn, your design changed. Before you were reborn, your design was to do what is limited and what this world says you can do. That, that's why you can't tell somebody that is not saved that everything is possible. You can't. Okay? That's like, you know, that's like saying a caterpillar, you can fly, you can fly, and you, you see it falling off a cliff. Oh, I guess you can't. Just because you've turned into a butterfly doesn't mean every other caterpillar can fly. You've done something. You've had a change. They need to go through that change before they can do what you say is possible. Are you all with me? Okay? And so you need to understand that th this is what Jesus is bringing out in here when He says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. It is to break free from all the stuff that the world says cannot be done and you can't do. Amen? Do you know as much as you can believe, you can do? Now think about this. Think about it. As much as you can believe, you can do. What you can't or refuse to believe, you can't do. Are you with me? Now I don't want you to start feeling bad about yourself. And I want you to start getting on yourself. Please don't. Alright? All I want to do is take the lid off a few things. And just say, move towards something. Remember, faith doesn't just come from nowhere. It comes by hearing and hearing. Do you know why it's hearing and hearing? It's hearing and understanding and getting a revelation of it. Some people can hear and hear and hear and just don't get it. But after a while, you hear it and suddenly the penny drops. And you go, oh, that's for me now. That's not for me someday. That's for me now. I can do this now. Are you all with me? Fruitful in every good work. Now the kingdom of God is starting to manifest and you are getting the kingdom of heaven coming into this earth. The kingdom of heaven cannot come until the kingdom of God, listen to me, is activated. Amen? Because that's where all the healing and the deliverance and all the impossible things begin to come and happen. That's where it comes from in order for it to happen. Again, the Roman centurion, he says, I get this. I understand something about you. Which is why when Jesus said, I haven't seen faith like this, notice what it resulted in? Great faith.
Because he understood what was going on, it allowed him to believe beyond what everybody else was believing. Do you get the connection? And he said, because I get it, because I see it, go ahead, don't even bother coming to my house. Because I understand there's no distance in the realm you operate in. We have to go from here to over there. We are going to get to a... Actually, I think it might be here. The next event that we're going to come to is the healing of the nobleman's son. Alright? And the nobleman is going to... And I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but let me just do this to illustrate this point. The nobleman is going to say, Come and heal my son. Jesus is going to say no to him. Do you know why? Why did he go with... We're gonna, I want to just show this to you very quickly in relation to what we're talking about. And there's a reason why I'm going to bring it out as well. But it's also the next thing in, the, you know, in chronological order. But let me, just, let me just bring that forward to here for a minute. Because there's no time in the Spirit. No. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Let me just bring it forward for a minute. Because Jesus is going to say to him, No, I'm not going to come. Do you know why? Because if it takes time to travel in this physical realm. And by the time Jesus would have got to that kid, he would have been dead. So he says, no, what you're asking asking me to do is going to work against you. In fact, it's going to work against your kid. The very reason you're here. And so he says, go your way, your son lives. Alright? So he's he's going, and and it says, interestingly, it says, that man believed. And he went his way, needless to say, he finds out when the son was healed and the servants say, it was that time. Alright? Whenever they say that very hour, they didn't have a watch. They couldn't say, at 7.32 and 37 seconds, Jesus said, go your way. And the servant says, at 7.32 and 38 seconds, the kid jumped up. They couldn't tell time like that. Okay, so then it was like, oh, it's 6 o'clock-ish. That's where the dial is pointing. Now it's 7 o'clock-ish. That's where the dial is pointing. So for them it was that hour. Are you getting it? So when they're saying that self-same hour, that very same hour, they're saying at that very moment in time. It's their way of saying that. Are, are you all with me? Okay, so that, see, that again shows us that we might be restricted in this realm to distances and travel. And if something requires you to do a miracle in the Spirit before you get there, you can do it. So you don't have to say, oh, if only I had time to come there and do this, it would have worked. Are you all with me? Right, now, there are times when Jesus is, is, is going to go somewhere because He needs to. But we're going to see why, okay, with Lazarus. Why couldn't He just stand there and say, okay? The reasons, we'll, we'll go into those when we get to them, okay? But you need to understand, this kid, man, is, is a kid. He's going to die. And in that realm, you don't need to travel. Your prayers will travel. Your word will travel. You speak here and things happen there. You are not restricted to location. Like you can't, you can't say, you don't have to worry about if I was only there. Hallelujah. Okay, let's get back to this. Uh, that's why I said, if, if I could just go through the list of things that, you know, as we, we start to learn about these things and then we, 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 we learn that we can pray here, which is why we pray so much. Because your prayers can go anywhere 
anytime and take care of things and help people that are doing the right thing to do the right thing. You know, you don't know. Can I, let me just say this. You don't know when you're praying and there is some army out there or some you know, elite force group that is about to do something that is very dangerous so that you can sleep at night. And your prayer stops all the things that were going to go wrong from going wrong so they can get, they can get their job done and get home. And you never knew about it. Okay, but I don't want to pray unless I know what I'm praying. Well, you're limiting yourself. Anyway, okay, back to this, back to this, back to this. All right. Okay, I'm here to expand your thinking. Okay. <laughs> the just shall live by faith. All right, have their lives sustained by faith. Okay, so, again, all of this requires you to believe in the gospel or the good news. And that's the reason why the Bible says over and over again, again, the just shall live and have their lives sustained by faith. Now, we come to the final gospel account of Jesus, return to Galilee, found in Luke chapter 4, where Luke, just like Mark, completely bypasses the Lord's Judean ministry. An interval of about one year, and goes directly from Jesus' triumph over Satan in the desert. And I'm putting this in so that you understand why in this gospel, he's just come from the desert, and then they go straight to this account. Alright, whereas we've gone and dealt with a whole lot of other things in the meantime. Alright, so the incident with the woman at the well, all of this happened before this next instance. But remember again, that these gospel writers are writing to an audience. Do you understand? So they're going to write down the things that this audience needs to hear. Remember, they're not telling the whole story of Jesus. It was never that. It was about, here are the things that will help you believe. Okay? And decide. See, they were, they were writing from very much an evangelistic point. This is what you need to know in order to get past all the barriers and all the roadblocks and get saved. And know that you are receiving God into your life, not just a good prophet or a good man or whatever. Do you understand? So all of this stuff is to show you that. Okay? But then also built into that is all the stuff that you need to learn to do as well. Amen. Amen. Okay. Alright, back to this. So we, we now come to the final gospel account of Jesus' return to Galilee, found in Luke chapter 4, where... Luke, like Mark, completely bypasses the Lord Judean, Lord's Judean ministry, an interval of about one year, and goes directly from Jesus' triumph over Satan in the desert, in Luke 4.13, to the beginning of his great Galilean ministry, with verses 14 and 15 saying. Okay, so that was the last instant. Now we go to verse 14. If you're reading in Luke, he just came from the desert, and this is the next thing. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee having totally defeated the devil, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region and was now spreading. Alright, that's what it actually says. And he taught in their synagogues. This is, the, this is the place where God's word was read and explained, as opposed to the temple where the main emphasis was offerings. Do you get that? See, when they went to the temple, it wasn't really to hear the word. It was to bring their offerings, and which is why they sold all the doves and all that stuff. It was a place of sacrifice. You all, you all with me? So they didn't have little chairs and stuff, so you can sit down and listen to a great sermon. And okay, none of that stuff. It was a bit of a messy place. You can imagine, okay, with the offerings and stuff going on. All right. Additionally, 
the plural synagogues, notice, and he, he taught in their synagogues, points to a preaching tour with Galilee as the starting point of Jesus' mission, and it says being glorified by all. Alright, so we need to see, we need to recognize that it says, and he taught in their synagogues, which is interesting. Not just the synagogue he was local to. So obviously they heard of him, remember, 12 years old, he was just astonishing all of what, what he, by what he was saying. You know, he just, obviously there was a preaching tour happening now. He was, he was being invited into this. So now, so here we now have the beginning of Jesus' second year of ministry. Alright, with, uh, with Hendrickson, this is William Hendrickson going on to add, nothing can now prevent the Christ from carrying forward his task as the great prophet, eternal king, and sympathetic high priest. Hallelujah. Alright. But as enthusiastic as the multitudes are at this time, being glorified by all, as William Hendrickson points out, this is very important, it should be borne in mind that this popularity was by no means unqualified. At times, those who at first were filled with enthusiasm became adversely critical and even antagonistic as soon as they began to realize that Christ's teaching conflicted with their prejudices. As we're going to find in this chapter. Okay? All right. Alright, so let's move on now, turning next to John chapter 4, verses 46 and 47. This is the point in time when it is believed that the great Galilean ministry actually began. So it says here in John chapter 4, verse 46, So Jesus came again to the city of Cana of Galilee. Alright, that's the home of Nathaniel, Where he had made the water wine. Now notice this, it says that there to let you know it wasn't a fable. It was a fact. So he's come back to a place where he did something that they remember. See, if you don't see that, then you don't understand what's going to happen next. Okay, so it's setting it up so that you understand that as you read the next account, why this person is going to have the fate that they're going to have. Okay, people hear this stuff, man. You can just imagine all the servants going and saying, You don't know what happened? Let me tell you! You know, and then the news travels. They used to do a lot of word of mouth back then. Okay, this is like their Twitter. Okay, back then, they just talk and talk and talk. It was verbally passed on. Alright. And so it says, so this is why it, within this one verse it says, after it says where he made water into wine, and there was a certain nobleman. Okay? A man of great wealth, influence, and power in the service of King Herod. That's what, that's what nobleman means. Okay? Alright. Whose son was sick and at the point of death... Alright, we'll see in the next verse. At Capernaum. Also, this is also in the region of Galilee. This is about 20 kilometers away from Cana. Okay, this is important. Okay, because the distance is important here because of what Jesus is going to do and why he's going to do it. And I've told you about, talked to you about this before. So verse 47, when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him. And the actual uh, Greek says continuously and persistently. So he was, okay, persistent in his imploring. Okay, and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Notice that, okay? So it says he was not only sick, but he was at the point of death, which means any moment he could pass pass away. 
All right, so it was, it was okay. So, first of all, that the disciples are not with him on a permanent basis. And here we find him ministering on his own. So, you know, until we get to a certain point and Jesus actually chooses his 12 disciples to become apostles, all right, until that point in time, and that's still to come, okay, I always, always think when his disciples, they always talked about the 12. It, it, that doesn't happen till a certain point in his ministry. And they're still in and out of their jobs. Can I just say this? All right, this is how it works. Okay, you, you do your normal job, and you, know, you, you learn, and you grow, and then when God says, okay, now is the time to step in. It might be full-time, it might be part-time, or whatever. You know, it, it's, a, it's a gradual process. Don't ever feel bad, because you know, people used to make me feel bad, and other people feel bad in Bible college, that if you're in the Bible college world, bless God, you should give up your job, and you should just trust the Lord, and you should go into ministry, and all that stuff. And people tried to do that, and they crashed and burned. And then they never went back. Even if they had a calling, because they jumped into something they weren't ready for yet. Do you hear me? Okay, they all once bitten, twice shy, you know. Okay, that sort of a thing. They, they just thought, oh, oh no. And, you know, so, and, and I know there have been times when I've looked at certain people and thought, you are meant to be in ministry. And if I made any mention of that, they'd go, oh, no, no, I tried that, uh, you know. <laughs> Boy, I was a disaster. Okay, you know why? Because somebody put pressure on them to do something out of time. You need to learn, grow, wait on the Lord. He'll let you know. Not the preacher. The preacher will do stuff that works for him. God will do stuff that He designed you to do in His time. Amen? And you all need to always go with that more than anything else. Okay, second, with regard to verse 47, we immediately see two mistakes that the noble man made in his request. First, he, assu- he assumed that Jesus would have to personally lay hands on the child for him to be healed. And why he pressed his plea. Second, that if the boy died before that, it would be too late. Okay, that, that's why he said, hurry up and come, you know, before he drops dead. You know, Jesus can bring him back to life. So, okay, so number one mistake was, he said, you have to come in order to lay your hands, in order for the boy to get healed. Number two, you better hurry up and do it, because if he dies, we know that's going to be too late. There's both two mistakes there, okay? Alright, and so it goes in to say, verse 45, and Jesus said to him, <laughs> Oh, Jesus. He says, unless your people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. He goes, my goodness, how many things do I need to do? Okay? Remember how this started? Where he turned the water into wine. Okay? So that's why all this is happening. In other words, Jesus says that this man's faith and confidence, and that of others like him, that's why he made this general comment, seem to depend solely on the spectacular and the sensational. Alright? And without such signs and wonders to constantly feed them, they, would, they, they just would not believe. Alright? Which is why they're going to say, do something for us, show us. And he's going to go, no. <laughs> okay? See, he's not somebody who's doing like parlor tricks and says, Woo, here we go, look at that, I'll pull another rabbit out of my hat. It's not that. Do you understand? Because he is dealing with demons and do you understand he's dealing with 
how can I put these laws on another realm, in another reality? And he's saying that all of this is run by a court in heaven. I can't just go around doing stuff. Listen to me. It all is being watched. It's all being recorded. So Jesus did this to show off. No, they won't write that down. It ain't happening. Get it? Jesus did to prove himself. No, not happening either. There was a need, he met it. People said it was impossible, he said, watch. <laughs> okay? But when they said dance for us, forget it. I'm not here to dance for you. That's why I said, when it says, the Lord working with them. Remember he said, in my name? Okay? Alright? Whoever believes. Remember it says, the Lord working with them. Lord means He's over you. But He'll work with you. But He is still Lord. Not you. Amen? Amen. Okay, back to this. Alright. So, <laughs> in the case of the nobleman, he was desperate for Jesus to come down to Capernaum, work his magic. It's basically what he's saying. Okay? And heal his son. And so verse, uh, verse 49 says, The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Now before we go any further, it is important to take note at this time, even though the healing that takes place is at a distance, this encounter with the nobleman is in no way a variation of the encounter Jesus had with the Roman centurion. Some people think it's the same thing. It's not the same thing. Some people have actually attributed this event as the same as the Roman centurion, is what I'm saying here. Okay, And they're not. The Roman centurion is a whole different thing. There were a whole different set of things going on. And I've, I've listed it here. I've said, while the Roman centurion had great faith and didn't need Jesus to come to his home at Cana, this nobleman's faith is the exact opposite and needs Jesus to come to his home in Capernaum. Okay, so one's in Cana, one's in Capernaum. And so it goes in the same verse, verses 50 and 51. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. What's this now? So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went his way. Why? Because verse 46 says, So when Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he made, water, uh, made the water wine, get it? There was a nobleman. See, they're tying this together to say that this nobleman understood what Jesus could do. And if Jesus is going to speak, remember he said to the servants, do this, and as they did it, it worked. Remember that? He said, just fill the pots with water, and then do this. He didn't go zap, zap, zap. Okay, <laughs> none of that happened. He just said, fill it, take it. None of that just water, okay? You know, <laughs> okay? I hope this works, I hope this works. No. Okay, see, it was Jesus. He said, I'm doing this. You just do what I say. I'm doing this. Amen. That's what's going on here. Just like he said to the servants, do that. He said to the nobleman, go. It's done. Okay. Alright. Okay, so, there are two things at work here. 
First, the power and conviction in Jesus' voice, when he said, go your way, your son lives. Okay, obviously he said it in such a way that the nobleman realized, I'm just going to go my way. (laughs) Okay, okay. And second, the fact that this man was well aware of Jesus' power. Remember, turning water into wine, which was the first statement made again in verse 42, where it said, so Jesus came again to Cain of Galilee. Again, I I spoke to you about this. These two things combined give, give us some insight into why this man simply believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went his way. Alright, and it goes on to say in verse 51, we might have to stop here. And he was, uh, and as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, your son lives. Alright, and from the Greek we understand this to literally mean, the child has been completely restored. And was out of bed, full of life, enjoying complete health and vigor. That's what actually the, the, the statement says. Okay, we just got the he lives. Okay, verse 52. Then he inquired, I have to get to this. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, yesterday. Remember, so it's been a day now, okay? At the seventh hour, the fever left him. Alright? So this verse tells us two things. I'm just wondering if we can... We are so out of time. This verse tells us two things of importance. First, it tells us why Jesus refused to go with this man to heal his son. It was because the child would have continued to suffer. Remember he said, he's really sick, he's at the point of death. means it wasn't good with him. Amen? And probably may have even died, or probably have even died by the time they got to him, which is a day later. William Hendrickson explains, although the distance between Cana and Capernaum is only 16 miles, or 26 kilometers, always change it up for you guys, okay? Uh, <laughs> much of this, <coughs> excuse me, is hilly country. So it's not just a flat place. So when you go up and down hills, it's like, let's take a break. Let's take another break. Let's stay the night. <laughs> okay, you, you understand? Okay? Alright, imagine this was hilly country, so that not much less than uh, seven hours is required to cover it. And if the cure was affected at 7 p.m., according to Roman civil day computation, we can understand that the father could not reach Capernaum until the following day. You all get that? Okay. Second, Uh, When this verse is read together with the next verse, it also informs us of the timing of the two events. The first being when Jesus declared the child was healed, and the second when the child was actually healed. Reading two verses together, it says, okay, so let me just read this. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. They said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew, verse 53, that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives, and he himself believed in his whole household. See, when it says he believed, it, didn't, it doesn't mean that he believed. Because remember, he believed and walked off. Remember it said before he believed. But this belief is something else. Do you know what he believed? He realized the implication of what had just happened. He got a revelation. See, there's a difference between you believe, because I tell you to believe, And now you believe, because you believe. And nobody can take that away from you. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. 
All right, and the, the term his whole household means that everyone in the house, including any additional children, and of course all the servants, saw the hand of God at work. And not just believed, but the implication here is that they all became believers. Amen? I mean, they would have just seen this going on. Can you imagine? They're at home. They're attending to this child. Let me just give you a little visual here. The father is away somewhere. He's not on the phone. He doesn't have a mobile service. He didn't call the servants and say, Okay, I'm going to Jesus now. I'm talking to Jesus now. Okay, now he's saying this. How's the kid doing? Oh yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking. Oh yeah, he's kind of, oh, the color is coming back. Yeah, yeah, he's going good, he's going good. Come on, we're good. These are separated by distance. Do you hear me? There's no string and can tied to this. Okay, <laughs> alright? So, they're at home, they're watching this kid, they're saying, well, hopefully he's with Jesus about now, hopefully. You know? But they don't know. They don't know if they could find Jesus. Alright, when he would have got to Jesus. So they're attending this child, and then suddenly, the kid gets better. And they go, whoa, what just happened? This kid was dying, is a point of death. And he pops up, like a little daisy, no? <laughs> okay? He just, and he's just full of life. Like nothing happened. Bring me my toys, I want to play with them. You know, it's just like, before that, it's like, <laughs> are you with me? Can you imagine what happened in the house? To be going, wow, what just happened? I'm sure somebody said, the father must be with Jesus. And they, they're going, oh, he was right. That guy can do stuff. Hmm, maybe we should believe too. <laughs> okay? You can just imagine the heart that was attached to that child. You know, it's very interesting that people are a little bit more. Uh, indifferent to adults. But when it comes to kids, you know, there's a big difference between going to Westmead, which is a hospital, the adult's hospital, and when you go into the children's hospital. There's a big difference. You know, with adults, you, you, you assume, you know, they've got a certain wisdom and a certain, you know, what, wherewithal to manage things and handle things, even though, you know, sometimes they don't do so well. When you see a child... You're like, oh, really? You know, you just want to go lay hands on it. Just, go, just get healed. Get out of here. I don't want you here. Do you hear what I'm saying? And your heart goes out. So when they get healed, there's a heart attached to it. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Amen. Okay. All right. So, where are we? They all became believers. Alright, verse 50, I'm going over time now. Just, can we finish this? We might as well finish it, yeah? It concludes by saying, This again is the second sign Jesus did when He had come out of Judea into Galilee. Remember, this is the second sign with regard to turning water into wine. <clears throat> so the whole purpose of John's Gospel was to select only those events from the life of Jesus where His deity was strikingly evident. Remember that again, okay? And so with the first sign or miracle...
Also in Cana of Galilee, when he turned water into wine, John showed Jesus' absolute control over the physical universe. And with the second sign here in John chapter 4 in Cana of Galilee, John shows that distance represents no real obstacle to the manifestation of his power and love. The Son of God asserts his will and instantly healing power enters the body of a boy, restoring him completely at a distance of 26 kilometers. The full life study Bible says, although signs and wonders are an authentic work of the kingdom of God, our faith must not be centered on them. Rather, we must believe in Jesus Christ because of who he is, God's Son, our Lord and Savior. Jesus must be worshipped and esteemed because of his love, mercy, holiness, and righteous character, not just for what he can do for us in a physical or material way. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. We'll conclude there for today.